Amen. You may be seated. And I love Mother's Day because I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us not just to uh, enjoy the fruit of our reward as mothers, but also to exactly uh, let everybody cater to us a little. Although, as my astute son-in-law has pointed out this weekend, why is it that your mom's doing all the work on Mother's Day? <laughs> I think it's because my husband is so smart, as well as my son, and they just know that uh, if I've got a word for women, it's best coming from me than them. So, <laughs> so what do you think about that? They're pretty smart fellas, aren't they? So we're gonna get right in the word this morning. And if you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. In just a moment, we're gonna begin in verse one. You know, the Bible, which is God's word to us, teaches us how to make good decisions in life. If we will heed his word, if we will hear his word, and if we will do what it says. I wanna ask us all a question this morning. What do we do with the love God has given us in our hearts? God's word declares he has shed abroad his love in our hearts, and that's from Romans chapter five and verse five. When, when we give our hearts to God and that born again experience, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive a new life in Christ. With that new life, we receive the love of God in our hearts, his love, agape love. As wonderful as natural human love is, there is a greater love for the born-again believer, and it's this agape love, it's this everlasting love, it's this unconditional love of God. His agape love is shed abroad, the Bible says, in our hearts, in our spirits. This means that we belong to him. It testifies to us that we're marked by God, that we belong to him. And that's one of the big uh, duties of a parent is to see that your children are marked for God by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in their hearts. We belong to the Lord, so all we are and everything we have belongs to the Lord. Through that born-again experience, let me say that again, this is so important and I don't believe it's taught much anymore. We belong to the Lord through that born-again experience, and so all we are and everything we have belongs to the Lord. We call that being sanctified, being set apart, being holy and dedicated to God. So then, in that sanctification, in that being set apart, in that belonging to God, we have his power, his power, his ability to live in love, to live out his love, and the power of faith that is rooted in this sanctified, set-apart love life of God. So being set apart unto God, belonging to God, everything I am, everything I have belongs to God. There's nothing in my life. Our son, when he was born, we gave him to God. He belongs to God. We had the privilege of loving him and rearing him, but he belongs to God. Our daughter, when she was born, she belonged to God. We gave her to the Lord. We had the privilege of loving her and training and raising her, but she belongs to God. Our children 
are a privilege for us. They're not a burden. They're not, a, they're not just a, a, an obligation. They're not just a duty. But they're a privilege for us to raise and train and love with the love of God. But they belong to God. Can you say amen? amen? So our God gives us this power to live a new life in Christ. We have his power to live the agape love life of God. And so here is where the power of faith in God lies. But I have a question, another question to ask us this morning. If that is true, then why are there so many people who claim Christ but have no power to live the redeemed life of God? All around us, in our extended families, all of us know people who claim Christ but they do not live a redeemed life in Christ. They claim him, but they don't live for him. They don't live in him. And we're going to get uh, to that in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 begins with this declaration. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and that's because it, it picks up right where the, what's known as the great faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, ends. The great faith chapter. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it lists all these heroes of the faith, all of these who have gone before us. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents. Have you ever noticed in Hebrews chapter 11, since it's Mother's Day, I'll point this out, that in Hebrews chapter 11, it mentions Moses' parents because they had faith and they saw he was no ordinary child and they hid him from Pharaoh's edict to kill all the newborn boys. And they hid him for three months and spared his life because they saw he was no ordinary child. They were commended for their faith. And Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Hebrews 11 declares that these were all commended for their faith. And so Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us, who have lived for God, who have been commended for their faith, it says that we're to do some things. Let us throw off everything that hinders. So if you're taking notes, point number one, heaven is watching. Heaven is watching, so throw off everything that hinders. Say, I'm going to throw off everything that hinders. Heaven's watching. And we know the Bible declares that our Father God, he judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. So nothing gets by the Lord. I mean, we can, we can think we get things by our parents, and often do and have, but nothing gets by our Heavenly Father. Nothing gets, He knows the thoughts and the attitudes of my heart. 
So he knows our thoughts and our attitudes. And so heaven is watching, so we're to throw off everything that hinders. Well, what hinders? Well, it could be uh, wrong fellowship, wrong friendships, places we go we ought not go, things we read we ought not read, things we watch we ought not watch, things we say we ought not say. You know, everything that hinders. Notice it's not leaving anything out. Anything that would be a hindrance to our faith walk with God. Anything that would be a hindrance to our faith walk with God, we're to throw it off. And as I was uh, meditating on that, the Holy Spirit directed my attention. We're not going to go there for the sake of time, but it's exciting reading. You should read it to your children tonight. Acts chapter 27 tells of Paul's uh, journey to Rome under guard on ship uh, and how that they faced uh, shipwreck and they faced these tumultuous storms at sea. And he, it gives the whole account. And there were three separate times on board that ship during these storms that they first threw over the cargo. And then they threw over the ship's tackle with their hands. And last but not least, because they feared for their very lives, they threw off all the grain. They ate some bread and then they threw off all the food. So they threw everything overboard. And, and so our lives often are like a ship that's uh, the nautical term is listing. A ship that's listing is a ship by definition that describes a vessel when it takes on water and it begins to tilt to one side or the other. A ship can list either to the port side or the starboard side. The port side is the left, the starboard side is the right. Have you ever been on a, no matter how small or how large, a boat, even a rowboat. Have you ever been on a boat or a ship of any kind and it started to take on water, it started to list? That is a frightening moment. Let me tell you, we had a little family cruise on uh, Table Rock Lake some years ago and uh, as great a sea captain as my son-in-law is, and it was a brand new, I think it was a brand new boat they put us on and it began about halfway out, it began to take on water on one side. And we're there, Christina's as pregnant as pregnant can be with little Riley and we've got uh, Jessica and Austin and all these little children on board. And, you know, we just all start looking at the captain. Like, uh, <laughs> take us to shore, sir. You know, because we see it's starting to list. It's starting to take on water. And we have all these children. We have all these people, I mean, you know, on board. And it, it, was, it was a disconcerting moment. But no one spoke a disconcerting word. Uh, you know, we just said, head to shore, captain. And so all was well, but that gets back to our example here. He says we're to throw off everything that hinders. You know, so if, if our lives are at peril, we're going to start wanting to look around our own lives and maybe get rid of things that may be causing us certain destruction. And oftentimes I think I see uh, how people, all the ways people can shipwreck their lives through wrong associations, wrong friends, uh, wrong behavior, and their lives get shipwrecked because they are unwilling to throw off everything that hinders. And my hearts are especially uh, wanting to uh, speak to the mothers this morning. You know, moms, we're the ones that have to set the example of living a right life in Christ. You know, yes, the dads too, but today's not Father's Day, so I'm gonna talk to the moms. And we're the ones, we have to set the example of what it means to live a right life in Christ, a righteous life in Christ. Because if, if we're not going to do that for our children, who's going to do that? 
who's going to do that for them and give them that right example of what it means to live a redeemed life in Christ. So we have to have the fortitude and we have to have the strength and we have to have the uh, no-nonsense attitude that I'm not going to allow anything in my home, in my family, uh, that's going to shipwreck my life or my children's lives. So we are to throw off everything that hinders. And point number two, we're to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, sin uh, entangles, and it gets kind of in there, and it, it becomes uh, part of the fabric of our behavior and the fabric of our lives. And we have to decide, uh, are we going to allow this thing to be a hanger-on? Are we going to allow this thing to stay in my life, to stay in my home, to, to keep being a problem to my family? You know, we have to be willing to throw off what's necessary so that we don't shipwreck our lives or the lives of our children. We have to have that kind of strength and fortitude, that kind of power with God to throw off everything that hinders. And attitude is everything. Say, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Attitude is, everything. is my attitude lined up to the Word of God, or is my attitude lined up to my past, or to my upbringing, or is it lined up to my sinful, carnal nature? See, what is my attitude? Just what is my attitude? And is, is my attitude being lined up to the word of God, to the word that I hear, to the word that I know? Is it being lined up to my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is my attitude still the attitude of the way I was before I knew Christ? We have to examine our own hearts. So David wrote in many Psalms about how he would examine his heart before the Lord and ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to examine his heart and to give him a clean heart and a right spirit. For example, are you married? Don't seek to offload your spouse. The Bible talks a lot about marriage. Yes, not just in the beginning when God created man and woman and, and, and made marriage a covenant and sanctified them and set them apart in their relationship, but uh, marriage uh, is spoken of by Jesus through the Gospels and then in the New Testament as well by the apostles. So if you have a spouse, don't look to offload them. Hey, look, time is short. And I know like everybody's into, you know, like a redo. Uh, I'm going to redo my life. I'm going to redo my looks. I'm going to redo uh, my, my husband. And if he's not willing to be redone, then I'm going to get another one. Um, I'm going to get a willing, re uh, you know, remodeling project. If you're married, don't seek to be loosed. I'm right now sitting here. If you're married and your spouse isn't perfect, well, guess what? Neither is mine. And neither am I and neither are you. So love the one you're with. Love the one you're with, with the love of God. Be a help to your spouse. Be a blessing to your spouse in the daily chores of life. It's Mother's Day, gentlemen, so if there's husbands here, I hope you're listening. Fathers, be a help, be a blessing to your spouse and the daily chores of life. Forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive each other. Walk in the forgiveness of God. Walk in the love of God. Don't hold things against each other. It's pointless. It's a waste of time. Uh, it's more productive just to get in there with a happy smile and just be a blessing. 
Look for ways we can be a blessing to one another. And parents, do what's in your children's best interest instead of your own. There's great power with God on this point. If you'll follow your pastor's example and be a blessing to your children, your whole life will be more blessed. You'll have days of heaven upon the earth. Live to be a blessing to your children. Love them, protect them, provide for them until they are gainfully employed and well-married as Christ would have you do. Your job's not done when they walk across the stage and get their graduation certificate at, high, at the high school graduation. Your job is not done. They're 18. They're, they may look all grown up, but they still have the brain of an adolescent. They don't they're, they're not fully developed until they're 22, 23, 24, and for some, 25 or 26 years old. <laughs> and so you, your job is not done until they are well-educated or able to make a living and well-married. And, so, and you'll always be their parents. Even after they're well-educated and they're, they're sufficient on their own and they're well-married, you're still the parent. They, they still need your guidance. They still need your example. They still need you to walk rightly before the Lord. They need you to be that example. And then if you have grandchildren, they'll need your example. They'll need you to do what's right. They'll need you to be there for them. It's part of the cycle of life. It's the way God ordained marriage and family. And children, honor and respect your parents in the Lord. And I know that's not always easy because you know how, and you see how they're not perfect. Well, guess what? You're not perfect either. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> and so honor and respect your parents in the Lord. Show honor. Show honor. As far as it is up to you, show honor. And when my husband and I got married, I made it a point that no matter what, I, for, because of him, because I loved him, I would honor and respect his parents. When they visited, I would cook for them and clean for them. I would ignore unkind words. I would ignore slights and innuendos. Because of what? Because of the love of God, because we're always to be a living testimony, but also because for the love of my spouse. So we choose, you see, our own behavior. My behavior, your behavior, ought not be dictated to us by other people's behavior. But we are to be who we are in Christ. And then number three, for your notes, run the race marked out for you with perseverance. Run the race marked out for you with perseverance. So we do that. We throw off, first, everything that hinders, and secondly, the sin that so easily entangles, and then we run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And when we're born again, when we're born again, God gives us a race to run. And we're not running it alone. He's with us. Say, he's with me. The Lord is with us. And so we run this race, and we live a life in the word and in prayer because we need that because the word says to run this race with perseverance and so I don't I can't run it in my own strength I'll get tired I'll get weary there's days I'm like well the heck with all these people I'm gonna go you know treat myself to an Andy's drive-through and a clandestine moment and uh, you know or whatever it is you know uh, 
we have to do what we have to do to maintain, but part of that is staying in the word and in prayer and strengthening ourselves in the Lord to minister to others out of a cup that's full, not a cup that's running dry on empty. And so, ladies, you have to do that for yourselves. Parents, you have to do that for yourselves. You have to decide, I'm going to begin my day with the Lord, even if it's praying in the car, talking to God in the car on your way to work, um, while you're getting ready in the morning, you know, at, reading at least a few verses in the morning as you start your day, uh, just, just to know that you, you can be encouraged in the Lord and he's with you. You're not, you're not running this race alone. You're, you're running it with the Lord and he, he will give you his perseverance and his Holy Spirit in our hearts gives us this strength and this encouragement. And then number four, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. Say, I can keep my eyes, can keep my eyes. focused on Christ. So we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We run the race with perseverance that's marked for us. And then we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So we keep our eyes on Jesus. You know where we get uh, off course, where we get off kilter is we start looking at other things besides the Lord. We start looking at, you know, what my friends got over here and her husband and her life and her house and her car and her children are so perfect. You don't go home with her. How do you know her children are perfect? You know, they, they come to church all scrubbed and washed and shiny-faced and in cute little dresses and, and little outfits and... You think, oh, their life's so perfect. And be, hey, you don't live in that house. You have no idea. You know, this whole culture of this whole facade, you know, that came to us out of Hollywood and, and everybody pretending, you know, that they're, they're, they've, they've got like the, the ideal, you know, life, the, the dream life, the, you know, so if I just, you know, wear the clothes she wears and buy the bag she buys and, and do that, then, you know, I'm going to have that life. It's total uh, nonsense, total, total, total nonsense. It has nothing to do with anything, nothing to do with real life. We need to focus on Christ. He's our example. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. So we keep our eyes on Jesus because keeping our focus on Christ helps us to stay in the race and our love walk with the Lord. Say, I've got a love walk. I've got a love walk with Jesus. And so too often... People leave what we like to call the straight and narrow path because of the distractions and the hindrances that come from the world and the people in the world. They leave their love walk with Jesus. Well, let not that be said of us. Let's not go that way. Let's not get our eyes off the Lord and off his word and off our life in Christ and, and go off uh, kilter and, you know, uh, run amok. Let's not get off the straight and narrow path with Christ. I think sometimes people tack Jesus onto their lives like a Lego block. It's like, you know, well, this is me. This is my life. This is how I am. This is how I was brought up. This is, you know, what I do. But, you know, I've got Jesus over here, so when necessary, I'll go be in church. I'll bring my children to church. I'll do this, 
you know, for them. But, you know, I actually, years, years ago, I actually uh, was, heard a parent say that the only reason they brought their uh, family to Faith Christian Center was while their sons were growing up because they never would have done it otherwise. In other words, they really didn't want to be here, but they were here for their kids. Well, that's probably a better reason than none, but it didn't turn out well because the boys didn't turn out well because of what was going on in the home anyway, what they were hearing and seeing in the home anyway. And so, you know, they're all off the, the, the road with the Lord. They're all off. And uh, premature death and other things resulted. So, you know, it's got to be real. And, you know, since it's Mother's Day, our children know when we're lying. They're, they know when we're living the lie. They know when we're two-faced and false, and they know when we're pretending. Don't be a pretender. Be the real deal. Let the Lord's love be, be in you and let it be manifested through you. Love the Lord with all your heart and keep your eyes on Jesus. There's so many distractions nowadays, uh, more than ever before with uh, media and all the electronics. It's, it's tough. And, you know, we all need to unplug more, I think, as families. We need to unplug as husbands and wives. We need to unplug as mothers. We need to keep our kids unplugged as much as possible while they're growing up. It's just, it's just a real distraction. It's not real life. And Pastor, I know, has been concerned for many years about young, young boys growing up and not like being able to uh, relate to girls, not being able to, you know, it's like they haven't, if, if, unless they've been involved like in sports and, and activities and other things, it's like they, they live a, a closeted life in their rooms in front of their laptops. And that is, it, it's robbing them. It's robbing a whole generation of young men of a normal life. They, you know, uh, you know, my son, he likes to uh, do mind bender things on me sometimes, and I'll say, well, mom, now you can have a, they can have, you can get a virtual wife, you can have a virtual home, you can have a virtual, and I, I said, I said, well, that, I, don't tell me any of that, that, that's horrible, that's of the devil, that's, you know, that's, it's stealing, killing, and destroying, and so we've got to live a real life in Christ. And we do that by keeping our eyes on Jesus and keeping our focus on Christ because he helps us to stay in the race and our love walk with him. You know, love and walking in the Lord requires a disciplined life. I've got to discipline myself. You know, uh, we can be very good at uh, disciplining our children or disciplining others, but I've got to discipline myself just to not say any old thing or think any old thing or want to do any old thing. I've got to live a disciplined life. You know, if our children do not see us live a disciplined life in Christ, what kind of example is that for them? Because, like I said, they know the real deal. And they know if we're the real deal and living right. So we want to do it right. We want to know and we want our children to know that we're really walking with the Lord, that we're really living the life in Christ. And in conclusion, our fifth point, live in love for heaven is watching. Live in love, for heaven is watching. We're so aware of this realm, this world. We're so aware of what's going on here in the natural. And rightly so, because we're flesh and blood, we live in these flesh and blood bodies. 
But there is a whole nother world. There is a whole nother realm, and it's called heaven, and it's called the kingdom of God, and it is as real as this place is real. We just can't see it with our natural eyes or touch it with our hands. But the word of God declares we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And um, it's a realm that at one point or another in our lives, we're going to step over into. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And so we know, we know and rely on the love God has for us. That's what we need to do. We need to know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. Say, there's no fear, there's no fear. in love. love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Say, he first loved me. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So we're to love and we're to live in love because heaven is watching. Let's all bow our heads. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for making your word real to our hearts. And as heads are bowed this morning, if there are any here and you'd like to commit or recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I can think of no perfect opportunity, no perfect day to do it than this day. We've heard the word. It's shed its light in our hearts. And if you have never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've never given him your life, and you'd like to do that today, raise your hand where you're sit seated and we're going to pray. Perhaps you've done that. Perhaps you've done that. Thank you. I see that hand. I know there's others. If you want to raise your hand during this appeal for salvation, perhaps there's those here and you'd say, Pastor Sue, I... I I have given my heart, my life to the Lord, but I haven't really lived for him lately. And I know I need to repent. I know I need to turn from my sin. And I know I need to live a new life in Christ. And I want to do that today. I want to recommit my life in the Lord. If that's you today and you want to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, raise your hand where you're seated and we're going to just take an opportunity to pray this morning. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. And... Uh, Let's do this for the sake of those who are going to come to the front. Let's all stand. Everyone's standing. And if you raised your hand, I want you to stand. Bring your purse, your Bible, if you have personal belongings. Come meet me down here at the front. I want to, I want to shake your hand. I want to thank you for wanting to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, and we're going to pray. Come meet me here at the front. Don't be shy, don't be bashful. The greatest day of my life was the day when I gave my heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come stand in front of me. Face me, sir. You face me. God bless you.
good to meet you. What's your name? Nice to meet you, sir. Good morning. God bless you this morning. What's your name? Taylor. Taylor. Nice to meet you. Good to have you here. Anyone else want to come and join us? I know there were a few other hands. You can come, come, come right now. This is, the, this is the day, this is the time to give the Lord our, our hearts and our lives. For the sake of these that have come and for any others who may be watching and you want to commit and recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, let's all pray together. You pray these words after me out loud. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus name I give you my life. And time's gone by. I've done my own thing. I've gone my own way. But today I turn. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. I repent of my sins. And I thank you that your word says that when I repent of my sins, you forgive me. And you remove my sin from me as far as the east is from the west. And I thank you that I'm born again. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to live in my heart. I welcome the love of God in my heart. I thank you, Lord, that as I walk with you, all things will become new. And I praise you that as I hear your word, as I do your word, as I read your word, as I'm in church, I'm going to grow in my knowledge and I'm going to grow in my faith. And I give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you both this morning. Taylor, sir, God bless you. And we want to give you a gift. We want to give you Pastor's book, God's Very Own Child. If you'll go with our ushers, they're going to uh, follow Mr. Hughes right over here this way, and they're going to give you a gift, and we're going to pray with you and answer any questions. God bless you this morning. Isn't God good? Isn't he wonderful? He makes all things new. And, you know, we can, we can do that. We can go home today. And where we haven't been perhaps as kind as we should have been to those living in our home, we can choose to be kinder. We can choose to walk in the love of God in a greater way. We can choose to be more thoughtful. We can choose to be more helpful. We can choose to uh, look to the Lord as our source and the meeting of all of our needs because he's, he, he'll be there with us every moment, every step of the way. He's there with us in the, in the dark moments, and he's, he's there with us when everything is coming up roses. He is so wonderful, and the love of God, the word says, is shed abroad in our hearts. And so let's go and be filled with the love of God, and let's welcome pastor as he comes to receive the offering this morning. God bless you this morning.